And let's return to, want to get back on this issue of long-term care in the province. This is an issue, I've said this time and time again, we are committed to staying on because the status quo simply, it just isn't good enough. Things have got to change. And there are a lot of families right now trying to decide if they should have their loved one return, return to long-term care, or if they're waiting, maybe take them off the waiting list. Let's welcome back to the show, Marissa Lennox. She is with the Canadian Association of Retired Persons, and she joins us now here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Marissa, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks so much, as always, for your time. I want to start by asking you, what are the options out there currently right now for families who are trying to make this very important decision, trying to decide if they want their loved one to actually return to long-term care if they maybe pulled them out during the pandemic? Well, if they pulled them out during the pandemic, remember, the the province made concessions early on for people who had concerns and allowed for them to go to the top of the wait list, the crisis list, if you will, so that they would return with some expediency. They wouldn't have to go to the bottom of of that very long wait list, which could potentially be years um, in some parts of the province. Um, So that option, of course, remains available to people. We've also heard from some members that have concerns about sending a loved one into a long-term care facility for a first time. Um, Maybe their name came up, a bed became available on one of the five homes that they've selected on their list. And they've basically been told, you have 24 hours to accept or reject this offer. If you accept the offer, you have to move in with five days. And I can tell you, there are a lot of concerns from people that say, well, moving my loved one into a long-term care facility, would it effectively be a death sentence for that individual? Um, And so there are definitely questions, uh, concerns that families have right now, weighing whether or not it even makes sense to send them in, but what other alternatives are there? Uh, We know that home care supports aren't sufficient uh, to meet people's needs. And if you are on the wait list for a long-term care facility, it does mean you need 24-hour care, nursing care, and, and you know, can you continue to receive that at home? Uh, can, you, can you have those needs met elsewhere? So it's a tough decision for a lot of families in this position. And do we need to show them some compassion? Do the rules, do they need to change here, Marissa? Because for those that are not in the know and have not had to go through this, and I think you detailed it pretty well there, but you're basically asked for five homes of your choice. If one of those come up, you're asked uh, whether or not you're going to accept that. And when you say you got 24 hours to decide, that is a pretty tough decision to make in basically a day or less, particularly in the current climate, because I would have to imagine so many families want to do a bunch of research right now to see if there was an outbreak in this particular home, what sort of complaints there have been, what sort of things have been done to rectify it. You know, for people that are on a wait list, I would really encourage them to take an active role in trying to assess which home they want to go into. So look at the history of the home. How have they fared? I mean, remember, a lot of people just allow the Lynn to choose for them. And they maybe didn't go for that tour to see whether or not this was a home that they wanted to move into. So I think that there is a responsibility on the resident and on the family to check and ensure that the homes that they've selected are reflective of the kind of settings they want to live in. At the same time, what should the government be doing? You know, it honestly, I would encourage the government to look at this through the same lens as they did when they allowed for concessions for people to remove loved ones from long-term care. If someone has concerns about moving someone into a congregate setting in the middle of a pandemic, 
I understand that. And maybe the government should give them the same leniency as they've shown to people that have removed loved ones from that facility. Maybe there's a period of time where the government can say, okay, in the middle of a pandemic, especially as we're heading into a second wave, especially as the government hasn't made serious changes to a lot of the facilities, you know, facilities with four bedroom wards, very narrow hallways, facilities that struggle to maintain quarantines in the middle of a pandemic. Maybe we shouldn't be admitting new residents into these homes right now. And for a period of time, we'll make concessions to keep that person at the top of the wait list so that when they do feel comfortable moving into this facility, we can enable that for them. Yeah, because our world has changed so much, as we all know, yet the rules here, they have not changed. And to tour a home, as you suggest, is pretty much impossible right now because of the lockdown and everything that's gone on in the long-term care. I mean, people are just desperate right now to get back to their loved ones that are currently in long-term care, never mind somebody wanting just to tour the facility. So it seems to me like the we really have to have a hard look at these uh, rules and these wait lists. Well, and you know what? You raise an important point about caregivers too, right? Because we know that family caregivers are slowly being allowed back into these facilities, but under very strict restrictions. Um, and so isolation is a big concern for people when they're when they're considering whether or not to moving whether when they're considering whether or not they are willing to move their loved one into a congregate setting. Um, will I be able to have access to that family member? Um, <clears throat> As you know, some of the strict restrictions include having to have had a COVID negative test within a two-week period, which will effectively grant someone two 45-minute visits. Then they need to go back, get another test in order to be readmitted into the home. And then, of course, we know that there's only one guest allowed at a time. And so that can be very isolating, too. And I think families have those concerns that they need to weigh as well. Joined on the line by Marissa Lennox with the Canadian Association of Retired Persons discussing once again long-term care in the province. Marissa, is keeping your loved one or an elderly parent in your home an option, uh, or is that something obviously you should seek some advice, uh, maybe from the family physician or a doctor, whether or not even with some sort of assistance at home, if that's even possible? I think it's a very individualized decision. Um, Early on in the pandemic, there was sort of a growing chorus of voices that were encouraging people to remove their loved ones from long-term care. Um, You know, and I will say, you know, many homes have done an exceptional job of keeping residents safe. Um, That said, you know, I would argue that very few homes are immune from the negative effects of isolation. Obviously, residents did lose access to family caregivers during the pandemic. This took a real toll on residents. So I think that there are a couple factors you need to consider whether or not you want to keep them at home. One, is your home equipped to do so? Does it have accessible doorways if the individual has mobility challenges? Do you have young children and pets at home that could potentially present a hazard for this individual? Do you have the capacity to care for the needs of this individual? Because if they are looking to move into a long-term care facility, it means that their needs are great, they're higher, and they require ongoing assistance, they're no longer autonomous. Uh, So do you have the capacity, the, the physical capacity, the emotional capacity to care for this individual in your home? And for how long are you able to do that? But, you know, the world is reopening. Ontario is entering into phase two of reopening. Are you headed back to work? And what are all of these? So I think those are a number of the factors that people need to consider when making that decision. But I will say I do understand the stress of moving someone into a congregate setting right now. 
All right, just finally, Marissa, I mean, we can all agree that things have got to change. What we have seen the last few months with the COVID and long-term care homes. Do you have a sense, I mean, you deal with this day in and day out. Do you have a sense that things are actually moving forward? Because I think for a lot of families and a lot of us, time is of the essence. And are we going to see much needed change soon? In the policy world, we often refer to what's called a policy window. Um, And I think that that window is is here and it's open, but it's narrowing. And, and, and so we know that there is a limited amount of time to actually affect real change. And, and that needs to happen both at the provincial level and also at the federal level. I mean, one of the things I've often said is, you know, one of the most disruptive challenges to, to achieving consistent, high-quality, long-term care services, both institutional and at home, is directly related to funding, directly related to governments wanting to minimize what they're obliged to pay for. Um, so, you know, we're certainly on the record calling for sort of a split funding model with the federal government. Um, but in the short term, there's a lot that needs to be fixed around staffing, around training, around, um, you know, innovative ways to solutions to provide for increased space for quarantines, access to rapid testing, personal protective equipment. And um, CARP, certainly in Ontario, has asked to be part of the commission. Um, and then also across the country, we'll be engaging with our chapters to be hosting uh, local town halls with, with MPPs to really have and start that conversation about what needs to be changed in this in this setting. Because you're right, the status quo is no longer acceptable. We cannot go back to the way that we were, and we need to move forward in a positive way. All right. We're going to continue to watch it, continue to cover it. I'm sure we'll have you back. Marissa, thanks as always for the time. Take care. Thanks for having me. All right, Marissa Lennox with the Canadian Association of Retired Persons.